Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, along with Sarah Clark, and we're here to support, inspire, and educate those who are all consumed with the label of infertility. We totally know how you're feeling. Both Sarah and I were diagnosed with a form of infertility before we hit our 30s. We let the fertility experts dictate our past and ignored what our bodies were trying to tell us for far too long. So here we are, helping you take control of your infertile diagnosis. So today on the podcast, we are going to talk about IVF success and failure because we have pretty good experiences with both of those. (laughs) So what's your most memorable moment during your process? Uh, I think the the most memorable moment is I I do remember after, well, there's, and you got to bear in mind, I'm going back years here. So like, I remember from my, and I, I seem to remember my, the one with my daughter more than my son. I don't know why that is because it was the first. So this was like 17 years ago for, for her. And I do remember um, like a lot of back and forth to the clinic and I was working and I didn't want to tell, I didn't want to tell my, my, my um, boss that this is what was going on. I did eventually have to tell her and then she went and blabbed it to everybody, which is ticked off about, but um <laughs> uh yeah just going back to the clinic and like waiting and this was like before I guess this was before I had a cell phone so it was like on the landline and like get like getting the call at the office and I was in a cubicle and like they like try to whisper like to be quiet because it was confidential and basically this person beside me could hear everything I was saying so trying to speak in code and then going in you know in the morning for the the monitoring and like for me I didn't have to take any shots it was all all pills like suppositories and um medication leading leading up to the to the to the to the cycle so um yeah the memorable part was and i had to drive probably an hour and a half um to the clinic and then back and my husband with the sperm and um i think he did that at the clinic um so the whole the the, the, i guess the part i remember is sort of there's some secrecy there because i didn't want to have people that i was working with know what i was doing and eventually, again, I, I, I told them and then, yeah, they blab, she blabbed it to everybody. Cause she, the reason I didn't want to tell her because I knew she would blab it. Um, but that, that part was probably the most memorable for me. What about you? Yeah. Uh, oh, I've got like a whole handful of them. Yeah, it's um, the most memorable one is on my second IVF. They um, didn't put me under for the egg retrieval. They just um, kind of numbed the areas and stuff. So it was a really cool experience, actually, and so much better than the first one, you know, getting drugged up, and then they do it, your husband's not there, then you... Anyways, um, I was there, I had my little earphones in with my meditation, and uh, my husband was right next to me, and, you know, the doctor's all chatting and stuff, your legs wide open, then, you know, everyone's seeing, and he was all done. And I don't know what happened, but whatever he pulled out had nicked me. And um, I was on these blood thinners and natural blood thinners. And I had told them and they were kind of a bit like, oh, no, we've never heard of that. And I was like, okay. And I literally, Emmett said, because I was looking up, 
the doctor's face just dropped as this like gush of blood came out and the nurse had to jump on my abdomen to like put pressure there and um i think everyone just kind of freaked out for a solid five minutes and i've just sat there with my little earbuds and like meditating i'm like oh my god i'm so glad i'm meditating right now and um, it was fine they stopped it and you know uh i wasn't in too much pain afterwards and but yeah everyone was kind of freaking out um but yeah that was probably my most memorable moment um yeah i had two full rounds of ivf uh, the first one was on the NHS, um, in the NHS, not on it. We paid for it, but it was very, you felt like a cow. You were lined up in these cubicles with curtains. Everyone got in their gowns, their hats, and you just saw people kind of come in and out. There was no, I didn't even know the doctor's name. Hadn't even met him before. Um, yeah, it was pretty awful. And um, yeah, the second one, we found a cute little clinic and that was much nicer and more friendly. And um, yeah, that was good. But, um, and then the frozen embryo transfers were probably just kind of like your donor egg rounds. You know, there's not really any injections. You just get up on the, um, on the estrogen and the um, progesterone. Progesterone, yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, it's, um, I'm sure like, maybe you feel as well it's a very surreal thing to look back at and to kind of know that you did that you did the hours of driving and you you know the blood draws and all those kind of things it's um it's a very surreal time when you're going through it you're so consumed you know you got your schedule when you have to be there um did you guys have to um I guess you didn't have like right timing. That's the egg collection, isn't it? But were you guys on like a certain, you know, set for anything during um, donor egg? Yeah, we had to, and again, this, I may not remember, like to be the exact thing, I'm sure I really remember, but it's, it's more, we had to be there at certain times for the clinic. So there was traffic and, and, and yeah, obviously it was always in the morning really early in the morning that we'd be there. And um, we use the same clinic for both, both um, kids, both donor eggs. And um, yeah, it was, it, it it was, like I say, I was very naive when I look back, I'm like, damn, you were naive. Like I did, as I say, not a lot of research and I'm a researcher, so I don't know what I was doing, but I just, as I say, listened to what the doctor said and this is what we need to do. Okay. This is what I do. And I, followed the protocol, took all the drugs, and it was lucky enough that it worked. For my son, there was a little bit of bleeding like at, at in the beginning, so we thought that was having a miscarriage, but, um, but, he, but he stuck. But um, yeah, it was, it was, I just, I didn't really want people to know in the beginning yeah. going mm-hmm. on, but I did tell, I did tell um, my parents and my husband's parents. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted to keep, the, I, I had this whole superstitious thing to not tell anybody until um, after the three months, didn't want to tell a soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think for us, because um, we were married for so long, and people were like, why aren't you having kids yet? And yeah, we just had to kind of come out with it. And I remember my husband, we went to an event and someone asked, like, why aren't you have, you know, this a very like why aren't you having kids yet and he just went we're doing IVF and that just shut them up (laughs) 
And I said to him, I was like, you're not like that. And he's like, I'm just, I'm sick of making excuses. I'm just sick of like trying to beat around the bush. And, you know, most of these people who were asking were good friends, you know, and they were only asking to be polite and they knew we wanted kids. And um, so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, Were you ever worried about the drugs you were taking? I know that we kind of have... um, you know, we've said that you didn't really get into the diet and nutrition until after your kids because your health just took a nosedive. Um, but I don't think you need to necessarily be into that stuff to think about the drugs you're doing. No, I didn't think about it at all. I did a podcast episode on this and how it can, it can impact the health of the mother, impact the children's health. And Oh, I didn't think about how these drugs would, you know, there's a higher rate of cancer. There's, there's, you know, higher rate of cancers in kids. There's, there's a whole bunch of things that it can impact. And I was, I had no clue. I always wonder with that, this is kind of my theory, is that it's not necessarily the IVF um, that is showing all these statistics of, you know, increase of whatever. I wonder if it's because the mom and the dad aren't healthy enough. I know. That's what I think. You know? Um, Cause I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, for my first IVF, like, like you super naive. Nope. Didn't do much research about anything. Didn't know anything. Went in and um, yeah, shambles. And it wasn't until that shambles, we started learning about things and, and yeah, it wasn't really until after my my miscarriage um going into my second frozen embryo transfer that i started worrying about it that i just thought because i actually had to be on steroids because that's when we knew we had the immune suppressing or the uh, high nk cells so they put me on immune suppressing drugs so i never actually worried about the ivf drugs themselves i always kind of felt like they were like hormones and i know they're synthetic and all that, but I I never really felt they would have a huge impact. But for me, I had to be on steroids. I did inner lipids, um, which is just a cocktail of shit. And and I was on Clexane for blood thinners. Mm. And that really, really bothered me. Um, And so, yeah, I, with that pregnancy um, before and, you know, during, I was just so hyper-focused on doing anything I could do to um you know kind of counteract those drugs um but yeah that was that's a a, an interesting topic to talk about is that um you know it's not that it's probably not likely the ivf drugs and the process creating all these issues for the babies it's really about your health during that time um that's yeah, so why it's important to educate yourself. I think why we're doing the podcast too, to let to dig deeper. It's not just the diagnosis, like dig in deeper and yeah. be your own advocate and assemble a team. And, and yeah, you can naively go in, but you don't have to. Yeah. Like you, you, you're, we, we're in the land of Google, you can Google the shit out of it. So like, and that's a whole other thing where you go down the rabbit hole and you yeah. never, you never come up, but um, there's things to, to really empower you. You don't need to, just sit back and, you know, someone tells you something, okay, here I go. No, like yeah. you're in charge of your own body. You, you can make decisions and you don't have to blindly listen to what someone's telling you. And like any practitioner, you got to do what feels right for you. Yeah, exactly. 
And um, we both have experience with it working, getting pregnant, uh, getting pregnant and having a baby, and then we have failed ones. Um, what's your well? Let's. Um, how personally did you take that? When it, yeah, so when I went back in for the the second, so I wanted the kids close together. So after a year, tried my daughter. I went back in. and We had two embryos, and then that that didn't work. And um, this, sorry, did you put both embryos back in? Yeah, put yeah. both embryos back in. So frozen. This is when they were doing fresh transfers before. So now, I think now they do more frozen transfers. But um, yeah, it didn't work. And yeah, I was upset because now I'm like off the timeline. Now I need to go on another. Damn, I have to go on another list. So yeah. that's going to take a while to be on the list. And then my kids are end up being three, three years apart. And I wanted them, like I wanted after a year. So I wanted them to be like 18 months or I wanted them close together. So again, out of my control. So um, yeah, and I was stressed and because I had this plan for how I wanted it to go. So yeah, and I, I, I was, yeah, pretty upset about it. And again, I can't, I have to ask my husband some of these things about how, how were, how were you? Cause it's like, I blocked it out or something, but I do remember like, yeah, not, it wasn't, my plan was foiled and it didn't work. And, and now I had to, I guess I couldn't use that donor anymore. I had to get a different donor. I had to wait for it to come in the mailbox, I had to, you know, find a donor that was right. And, and so, yeah, that process took, took a while. And in between there, that's when I, I went to different, a number of different clinics and was researched the crap and looking at going to the States and doing a whole bunch of things. Cause when I'm in times of, um, stress or the unknown, I go, I do go into research and I go into like, let's, you know, eat this over the head and make it work. So I was doing a whole bunch of stuff that made me feel busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, yep. I just needed to focus on the thing, but I was doing a bunch of stuff to keep myself occupied. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, first IVF failed. I mean, we didn't even get any embryos off of it. So it was just devastating. You know, you just walked away thinking like the absolute worst about yourself, about the situation. I mean, yeah, at that time, I mean, I, yeah, I was yeah, just gonna about to turn 28 um, when we started trying and I was in my thirties. I, I, purposely didn't do IVF until after I was 30 so I can enjoy myself <laughs> so I can drink I could and not that I was changing anything anyways but I wanted to drink um and I just went to non-alcoholic Beck's beer during IVF which is fuck <laughs> talk about being stupid and naive but um I mean and that was I'm not saying that people that's a bad thing for people to do but for me now in hindsight, I knew that I had deep issues and the non-alcoholic beer was not an improvement on the alcohol. I should have just had been having it all. Yeah. But um, after the second IVF failed and we had did a year of paleo and being really good on our diet and our lifestyle, um, yeah, that's when I started looking into surrogacy. I just thought you know, I can't do this. I mean, luckily, oops, sorry, luckily we um, got embryos and we got to, fro uh, to freeze five. Um, but yeah, it was just, once again, there goes your timeline. You know, I was in almost my mid thirties. And I think at that point, I just gave up on any kind of planning. 
Um, but I think the big, sorry, surrender. Yeah. The big hit for me was, um, our second frozen embryo transfer, we got pregnant, we had a baby. And so we're like, we're going in, we're doing it for a third time. Our last two embryos, we won, we nailed it. I got the AIP diet. I've got the immune suppressing drugs. You know, I'm going to work. This is going to be, we're going to have twins, right? Beyonce was pregnant with twins. I saw like, I got egg yolks, you know, where you can get two egg yolks and one, you know, like all these signs of twins. And I was like, this is going to be me. And uh, yeah, miscarriage. And it was just like a huge slap in the face for both me and my husband. Um, I think we were just so confident it was going to work and um, it didn't. And that's just life, isn't it? As much as you feel you have control or you want control over this, and especially when you're doing medicated treatments where you do have, you know, a bit of control, don't you? It just, um, it just is a really harsh reminder that life is, that is just life and you can't explain it. You know, you could be doing everything to a T and it just doesn't work out. Did you handle it differently? You think that that time or was it, was it worse? Yeah. Or? Uh, no, that, that time I was, I was all right. Um, I think it helped that we had a son. I think that obviously helps. Um, we both were done. We both had agreed that was it with medical treatment. We weren't going to do anymore. So we had that, um, already in our heads, which I think helps. Um, and yeah. I just, um, I just focused on, you know, keeping my health up and having our son and we're going into the summer. So, you know, we were going to have an awesome summer. Um, so, and yeah, just doing all the mental work before that really helped, you know, focusing on all that I had. Um, I must be honest when I got pregnant naturally two months after that, the first four months of that pregnancy, I was fucking pissed off. Okay. (laughs) Like, mad at the world that not that my diet and lifestyle changes were easy and they didn't happen overnight but that I could do them and get pregnant and then I didn't have to go through all the shit I just went through over the last eight years you know spending five years of never getting pregnant you know all we paid for everything so all the medical bills the heartache, you know, like you say, the times in the car, the appointments, the jealousy that you go through at the beginning, you know, the doubt in yourself. And as we've said before, I mean, it's a journey and I'm super grateful for it now. But, um, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about spreading this message is that you just don't have to go through so much shit. Um, And yeah, yeah, I was really pissed off and it was a very weird emotion. Sorry. Hindsight's a bitch. Yeah. Hindsight's a bitch. And, um, I had to work really hard at getting out of that funk, you know, getting back into, okay, it's fine. (laughs) You are, you're pregnant naturally. Come on, like celebrate this, you know, life, this, you know, not miracle. I don't ever call it a miracle because I know exactly what I did to get pregnant, but, um, was, um, money a big stress for you guys i think the first the first one was was fine with the money 
And then the second one, when we had to go back for another, another thing, and then we were looking at other clinics and it was going to be like 40, $50,000. And I was like, just, just do it. Um, like we had the, we had the money, but obviously, you know, that's a huge hit for the, yeah. for the savings and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like it, like we were both working, so we, we were okay financially. Um, but yeah, like it, it puts a hit into your savings and, and how you want to live your life because you've got to now pay, pay for this. Well, but we did have the means and we could have, we, we didn't, but we could have asked, you know, family, uh, to help us. But, uh, yeah, the money thing is. It's a huge thing. Most people don't have to worry about spending tens of thousands of dollars. You know, the, the kid having the, your children as it is will bankrupt the crap out of you. Yeah, it's, it's expensive. So if some people are saying they don't have money to invest in looking at their preconception health, I'm like, my goodness, the cost of children. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. I know. I, I mean, that was the one, uh, one thing um, during it. If we, we paid for it, but very slowly. Um, and we always made sure not to stress about it. And we only did treatment when we could afford it, if we saved up for it or whatnot. But I remember um, when I started looking into alternative things like getting health and like um, buying meditation or yoga or all that, and just thinking, oh, that's expensive. And then I would catch myself and be like, you just spent thousands of dollars on IVF. Why is $50 for a meditation app expensive? Like get over yourself. Yeah, it is interesting that mindset where it's like, it's okay to go and spend, you know, $30,000 over here. Cause it's like for IVF, it's three, three, three rounds at an average cost of 60,000, but then a couple thousand dollars on like actually trying to fix the problem, trying to get to the underlying root cause of this. Why? why, why is this an issue? And even, yeah, like I was talking to, who was I talking about this today? Maybe it was just you. I'm losing my mind. But um, why for like, when it comes to a pharmaceutical, do we become, you become, so someone gives us a pharmaceutical drug, we're like, okay, we take it. But then someone says a functional or an alternative or a complementary thing, we become these crazy researchers and we need assurance and we have to dig deeper. Like why, why is that? Yeah. And it is so set in our minds, isn't it? And um, I just lost my train of thought, but oh, the, um, so yeah, when, when we're thinking about the money and the cost and then the outcome of it. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to do like holistic things because there's no guarantee to it, where even though there's no guarantee to IVF, people are still willing to invest that money for that shot whatever the chances are they think that's a sure thing there's no one over there there's no there's no guarantees in any of this yeah the best shot though is to figure out why the hell is it not working to begin with and optimize your body like why is like ivf should be the last resort not that oh my goodness i got my diagnosis off i go to the clinic yeah and that's like that's the education piece and that's listening to your body and what's what's going on and 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 the financial impact of going to the clinic because that is a multi-billion dollar business like I could go on a huge rant on this because it's <laughs> it's it's sh- shocking though that our society like if if everyone can get pregnant naturally like the majority of people can get pregnant naturally this is what we do right that there's some sort of structural thing going on in your body the majority why are we why have have the the instance of fertility clinics since 1985 in the states there was 44 fertility clinics in 2015, there's 440. Like, why has this gone through the roof? 
And so like being, being able, it's a multi-billion dollar business, people freezing their eggs and all this stuff now. And um, yeah, technology is available and we're impatient. Yeah. That, I, that's a key right there. We are so impatient. We want to be pregnant yesterday and IVF, whether we like it or not, we'll get you there quicker, you know, for it's the most like part. Kind of a magic, magic bullet. Yeah. But what which, are the consequences of, of that? And, and like taking six months to, to figure this thing out and kind of prepare yeah. your body naturally. But yeah. And then the, the, the financial impact and even without the financial impact, the long-term consequences for your health. Like my daughter this week ended up having an anaphylactic shock. She's got, she had um, um, like all of a sudden like chronic hives and because she'd had some, she'd had some um, antibiotics anyway. So now like her immune system. So it's like at this, this age, we're trying to figure this stuff out and it goes all back to the gut health. And so we're trying to, trying to, you know, figure this whole thing out. But um, yeah, it's, it, it impacts the health of like your postpartum health as well as the health of your kids. And yeah. I mean, these are all topics we are going to cover because there's so much. And I think, you know, we're going to try to break it down and not make it feel so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a funny old thing. And, you know, the whole infertility of just, you just don't have control over it. And I think um, one thing that was really good for me when I started to do the diet and lifestyle, I felt like I had control over something, you know, and I stopped focusing on you know, the feeling of, I don't have control over my body of getting pregnant. You know, I started focusing on, okay, I have control of what I put in my body and it is, you're going to see the benefits, you know, no matter what kind of diet and lifestyle changes you make, if you do the right ones for your body, you know, way before you get pregnant, you are going to have amazing benefits and you will feel like you're having control. You're doing something for yourself. You know, I always talk about being your own hero, um, and so it kind of, when you start focusing on that stuff, it 100%, you start feeling like you have control over your life, but, um, right. Five top things you wish you knew. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like there's, and there's no, re- like, I don't live my life with regrets. Cause obviously this worked out for me, but I, but I wish I knew about functional medicine mm-hmm. when I was 28. I wish I knew that when your period have your period twice a couple times a year, that's actually not a good thing. Like I thought, I thought it was like, woohoo, don't get my period. And I wish I knew that going on the pill and then taking the pill for years after is going to, you know, after I had my children, it's going to impact my health. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew about post birth control, you know, post birth control pill syndrome. Um, yeah, I just, I just wish I, I had a, just dug deeper into like been my own advocate and not just went, Oh, okay. I wish I had have assembled like a team. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the people on my team. And I'm like, I'm not against Western medicine. Western medicine is part of the team, but it's not the only part. So um, I just, I think I would have listened to my body more. Um, yeah. But then I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to listen to my body. <laughs> right. I didn't hear it. I mm-hmm. thought it was educated, smart person. I didn't hear any of these things and, and that's okay. I found the message when it was, it was right for me. Um, I just think things are a little different now though. So there's a lot more like 17 years ago, this stuff wasn't around right now. Oh, there's, massively. there's lots of, there's lots of podcasts and education where you can just, you can be overwhelming, but um, yeah, those are kind of the things I, I just wish I had of 
dug a little deeper and not and not really focused on the diagnosis yeah yeah exactly um yeah i'm pretty pretty along those lines you know i wish that yeah there was just more resources good resources out there um but like you say we just didn't know we wouldn't you know through a time where i still feel very grateful that we had the technology during our time to help us and get you know to the point where we got um you know yeah i just feel so lucky i think 10 if i did it 10 years before i would have never got pregnant because they weren't doing that immune testing so um it would it would have just been chucked down to one of those things you're just unlucky it's unexplained and that would have been that so um but yeah i think i think anyone going to do ivf within the next six months you know that would be our top top thing there's so many like videos vlogs and blogs about like top tips to ivf and wish they knew about injections and all that kind of stuff and a collection and you know i would just say prep yourself as much as you can um it's not a guarantee that the ivf will be successful but you know for me i i guess i have that first one was super shit and second one even though it didn't you know like the first fresh one didn't end in a pregnancy we got this huge success and just don't be don't be me (laughs) you know like do your first one and just get it right (laughs) if you have to do it um yeah i think that is us for today um a lot we covered so much about IVF. I'm sure there's so much more we could cover, but I hope that everyone gets um, at least one nugget of knowledge out of this episode, um, especially if you are about to do a round of IVF. And thank you so much for joining us and we're looking forward to having you back next week. A few more things before you go. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review and or a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and it would totally help us out. Also, if you like to connect with either of us, you can find me, Monica, over at mymindfulme.com and you can connect with Sarah over on fabfertile.com. All the links you need to find us on our websites or social media, any products we talk about, book, special offers, or any guests that we have on, you're going to find all that information in the show notes. So that's it. Thank you once again for being with us here on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.